Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Dr. Sarita Wilson is an ordained elder in the African Methodist Episcopal Church and serves as an associate minister at St. Andrew AME Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. Wilson is a board-certified chaplain, pediatric chaplain, and a certified grief counselor. She serves as director of spiritual care with Le Bonheur Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Her work has afforded her the opportunity to serve as a consultative resource to the greater Memphis community on grief, resiliency training, cultural humility, self-care, and other spiritual care-related issues. She is the founder and director of Dance the Word Ministries, a unique combination of liturgical dance and therapy for self-report mood disorders, specifically designed for African-American women. Dr. Sarita focuses on self-care from a spiritual perspective and is a proponent of eradicating the stigma associated with mental health in the African-American community. She has a heart for journeying with clergy and women as they face the complexity of life. Her mission is to restore hope and bring healing to all. She received her doctorate from Argosa University, her MDiv from Payne Theological Seminary in Wilberforce, Ohio, and her BA in Broadcast Productions from Howard University. She is the mother of two daughters and is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. We are excited to have uh, Dr. Sarita Wilson with us today. Sarita, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about your role at Labonner Children's Hospital? Sure, and thanks for having me today. I am glad to be here. So I am the Director of Spiritual Care and also right now, Interim Director of Social Work, but that's another story. Oh, goodness, yes. I forgot <laughs> um, <laughs> you're doing that as well. Wearing a couple of hats, but I am the Director of Spiritual Care. And so with Labonner being a faith-based hospital, much of what we do is make sure that we provide spiritual care and support for all of our patients, families, and associates. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and tell me a little bit about what that encompasses. So, you know, I know... Um, you know, Labonner Children's Hospital is part of the Methodist, mm-hmm. um, um, I guess, larger corporation organization. Um, but you have faith-based from all different faiths, right, on your staff? Well, our staff is mostly Christian, okay. but um, various denominations or sects okay. of, of Christianity. So we have a couple of people that are Methodist, some um, um, seven, one seven-day Adventist, one who practices more of a Hebreonic type of Christianity, um, one who's very Pentecostal in this faith, and, and Episcopal. So we've got quite um, a large gamut of people that are represented from various walks in Christianity. And so what we do is when we need someone from a different faith, we have community partners that we can reach out to. We can reach out to an imam, or we can reach out to a priest, or we can reach out to someone from the Mormon community, that sort of thing. So, But the okay. good thing is that we're all well-educated and versed in any faith. Okay. And then what we found is when a family is kind of struggling with their faith or they're dealing with a sick child, they just want someone who has some support and, and they faith kind of goes 
out, not not necessarily out the window, but yeah. it's not the overriding factor. They just want someone who can get a prayer through or who can offer words of encouragement and support. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, and so currently, how many do you have that are in the role of spiritual care? So we have six full time chaplains plus plus myself and one PRN. Okay. So we got a pretty full. Yeah. yeah. So pretty around the clock, too. Oh, yeah. We offer support. We're on campus every day from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Okay. And then from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. and then on weekends, we work on call. Okay. And so we're always available. Um, you know, all it takes is a page or a phone call and we're there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how long have you been in, not only, let's talk about how long you've been in the role of the director, but how long have you just been doing this in general? Yeah. So this is my 13th year okay. at Lavonna wow. in, in the in this field of spiritual care. So it's been quite the journey for the past almost four years. I've been the director. Okay. But for most of that time, I was the NICU chaplain. Okay. Um, NICU and bereavement were my areas. And so, okay. And at one point for, for quite, for about two years, I was palliative care chaplain. So I've kind of had yeah. quite a few roles within the department. And what did you do before you went into the role of spiritual care at La Bonner? <laughs> I had a whole nother life. Uh-huh, okay. So um, my undergraduate degree is actually in broadcast production. Okay. Which so, I saw in your bio. Yeah. I, know. I was like, <laughs> I want to, I want to hear about that. Okay. Yeah. So I, my first job um, when I moved here to Memphis was working for, at that time it was not, um, um, I don't even know what it's called now. Heart, heart media. What is it? iHeartMedia? iHeartMedia. Yeah. So that before that, they were Clear Channel Radio. Yes, okay. And before that, they were owned by a minority company called Reagan Henry Radio. Okay. So I worked for them for almost 10 years. Wow. In, in, in um, promotions and sales. Okay. And then I had seven years as a pharmaceutical sales rep. Really? I did. Okay. And then um, I was selling hypertension meds, um, diabetes meds. And I don't even remember what the third one was anymore. But one of the products that I was carrying went generic. And um, that was a new opportunity and a new window of time. So God was saying, okay, it's time for a change. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about chaplaincy at that point. Okay. My pastor actually connected me with chaplaincy and spiritual care okay. and made the connection there. And I was like, oh, wow, this is where I'm supposed to be. Wow. So that's kind of how that, in, in a short story. Okay. <laughs> and so then is be. that when you went back to get your MDiv and your doctorate or was the MDiv sooner? So the MDiv was sooner. Um, in 2005, I believe, I knew I was called. I was already doing ministry in my local church. Okay. And I knew I had a calling. And in my denomination, in order to be ordained, you have to have an MDiv. Okay. So I was going through with the MDiv work at that point in time, um, you know, so that I can move toward ordination. And then as I started working in chaplaincy and realized that I really had a calling for counseling, pastoral counseling. Yeah. And that was really, gratefully, a gift. Um, I decided to go get my doctorate in pastoral counseling. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So started in the broadcast world. <laughs> yeah. Somehow totally pivoted, moved, went more into the ministry role mm-hmm. and then into the, um, you know, chaplain role. But so much, I do feel like you said, of the chaplain role is the counseling, mm-hmm. mentoring, loving on families in kind of their darkest days what drew you to this role what was something that you know what what made you say this is what I'm supposed to do um what really drew you to the role of spiritual care 
I think that's part of it, knowing that there are people who really just need to be heard. Um, one thing about spiritual care in what people may not understand about chaplaincy, I think there's this myth that chaplains just go around and pray for people all day. Yeah. Um, and especially from an adult perspective. But when you deal with pediatrics and when you deal with children, you realize that the whole family unit comes to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Everything that a family is dealing with outside the hospital comes in along with the illness that that child is dealing with. And so being able to hear people's stories, let people share their narrative, offer a listening ear and offer sound words of support is what kind of drew me to it. Um, learning that there's a difference between spirituality and faith or religion. Mm -hmm. And spirituality is really about how people find meaning in life. Mm -hmm. And so when people are dealing with distressing situations, that's spiritual, mm -hmm. be it guilt, be it, you know, um, sadness, be it anxiety, be it depression. Those are really spiritual issues. They can morph into other issues, but just being able to sit with people at their time of need and offer ministry outside the walls of the church is really what drew me. Mm, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I just think about that and, you know, our our story, um, we were very well connected at our church and very well connected to the ministers and staff. And so um, I didn't really reach out as much as I think I probably should have because in my head like you said I thought it was just that's really chaplains are for those that don't have mm. you know their own spiritual and so much too of Laboner and other large children's hospitals like that is that it serves such a large um, area I mean of of hundreds of miles away, you know, that families even who have a strong home church or home community, they're so far from home, you know, that they're really missing that piece. And so I feel like y'all can be able to help in that way as well. But, you know, since our time in the hospital where I've really seen it and just play out again and again, is just a warm, friendly face mm -hmm. who's coming in um, is not there to judge, mm -hmm. is not there to um, say this is wrong or this is right or what you believe is right or wrong or, you know, decisions you're making. Mm -hmm. You know, you're making the best decisions you think are possible. But just to be a, you know, a knowing, caring person who's there for them, you know, I've seen it again and again that y'all have become um, such a constant to those families. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the encouragement so often these families need is knowing that that person is there for them and, you know, that they can call on them. But even, I mean, so many times I've been in the middle of uh, mentoring a family and, you know, someone from your team has just come by and even just, you know, waved and, you know, hey, just checking in today or um, looking in. And I think that means so much to families. Yeah. We always tell people that we are, you know, especially if they are far away from home, that we are the, the minister for the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's how we try to serve our fa families and our patients, just being the minister for the moment. You may have a church home. You may have a pastor. And they may or may not be able to get to the hospital, especially over the past two years with yeah, COVID. Man. And so we're, we're the minister for the moment. We're here with you for this journey. Um, and for this season of time. And that's really what it is. So our chaplains are floor assigned. That means that every unit in the hospital have, has their own personal chaplain. That chaplain takes care of those patients and families. And so they will see every new patient. They will come and check on you every day. They will follow up. They will take the time when they know that there's something distressing more than just being in the hospital, On you know, on top of that. 
be there. And then also the chaplains can kind of serve as the bridge or the continuity of care between the medical staff and the family. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes the medical staff may not understand the family's desires or their wishes or their belief system or why they make the decisions they make. And one thing about being a chaplain is that a family will share with you more than they might share with somebody else because it's a it's a relationship and it's a very trusting and caring and compassionate relationship. So oftentimes the chaplain is able to be that bridge between the medical team and the family and say, hey, back off a minute, give them a little space, give them a little time. Or the reason why they feel that way is they had a previous experience or they have someone in their family going through something that's outside of the hospital. And so just able to just being able to share that space and time and being able to provide continuity of care between some of the other teams um, makes it a lot better for families. And when you think about some of the psychosocial dynamics, child life services, social work, spiritual care, all three of those kind of work in concert and work together to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the family. Um, spiritually, emotionally, mentally while they're in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. What a gift, I feel like, to families and yeah. um, just for them to be able to know that. And at Le Bonner Children's Hospital, there's even downstairs. Can you talk a little bit about that, like what y'all provide on the on the ground or I guess the first floor of the chapel and um, kind of a quiet space? And yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we have a couple of areas. One, we do have a very beautiful chapel. It's open 24-7, so a family is always op- available or, you know, it's always open for them to go in and just sit and have their own private moment of worship or prayer or whatever they feel like they need. It's very quiet. It's very sacred. And they are able to just kind of go away and have that time and space. And then next to the chapel is what we call the prayer room. It's really designed for more of our brothers and sisters of Eastern faiths, Mm -hmm. but it's beautiful and it's very sacred and it's very beautiful. And I've seen many associates and families that practice some of the more Eastern religions, Hinduism, um, Islam, go in there and just have their prayer time, especially during seasons like Ramadan where Mm -hmm. they pray multiple times a day and all of those things. But oftentimes I go in there because it's just quiet Mm -hmm. and it's it's still. Um, It's beautiful because it has peace written in several different languages on the wall. Mm. You feel very peaceful when you go in. Um, And then we do offer services. So we do um, an ecumenical service every Sunday at 2 o'clock. Very short so that patients or family members don't feel like they have to wait, be away from the bedside for a very long time. We keep it 15 to 20 minutes, but it's always open. And then as you approach our area of the hospital, there's a prayer wall mm-hmm. where people are able to put a prayer or a wish or a blessing or a hope into that wall. And we read those weekly. We pray over them when we have chapel services. And what most people may not know is when we have holidays like Ash Wednesday, we take those papers and that's what we burn to make the ashes. Wow. And so when we go around and provide the dispensation of ashes for families or associates, they're actually getting the prayers and wishes that have been put on the wall throughout the year. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. It is yeah. a beautiful wall. It is I mean, beautiful. I've, my children and I have all, you know, written something and stuck it in. And, yeah. um, you know, I think it's a, the team that designed the new hospital and put all of the thought uh, into it that took all that stuff into consideration of the different face and yeah. different ways that people could feel that comfort and healing and um, and hope and wishes and uh, it is such a beautiful area down there. Um, what would some things that you would like for caregivers to know about your job? What are some things that you you know maybe you kind of mentioned earlier some of the that all they do is just go around and pray with mm-hmm. families all day all day long. What are some things? But I do think 
there is a distinct difference between um, adult, mm-hmm. you know, in the adult world versus in the pediatric world. But what are some things that you, you know, to caregivers that are listening, what are some things you wish that they would know or be aware of? Yeah. And so it's a blessing. And I'm also very grateful to do what we do and to be in a pediatric world because it is so different. And I did a little time as an adult chaplain. Um, One thing people may not know is that chaplains are well educated. So you have to have a master's degree um, in um, an MDiv in order to become a chaplain. And we do something called um, clinical pastoral education, which which is like a residency. So I often say Physicians go to med school and then they do a residency. Chaplains go to seminary and then they do a residency in a hospital or a prison or whatever space they want to uh, offer service. And so with that, we are very well versed in um, faiths of all different um, walks of life. Mm-hmm. And we're able to um, share in every community. And, you know, what I have learned over the years is that when your child is sick, you just need some compassion mm-hmm. and you need some caring and you need some love. And one of my mentors taught me that one of the things a chaplain has that most other disciplines in the hospital don't have is time. Mm-hmm. So a chaplain has time to sit with you. A chaplain has time to journey. A chaplain has time to listen very openly, um, no judgment, mm-hmm. um, and just to walk this journey with you, mm-hmm. um, to be compassionate, to be kind, and to be understanding to be supportive, to offer prayer if that's what you want, but also to leave often and always to leave you with feeling encouraged Mm -hmm. um, despite what the situations may look like. Even if the outcomes are not what we hope for, um, a a chaplain is going to be the one that's going to always encourage you to hold on to your hope, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what the medical reports are, no matter what is there, just find hope in the midst of all those situations. So we're there to be light. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is that we're not just there for patients and families, but we offer just as much care for our associates, our physicians. And I I would say for me as the director now, probably about 60 percent of my time is in chaplain, chaplaining, if that's a word, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) of our associates. Okay. Wow. Okay. And especially I can imagine even over the last two years. Oh, yeah. And how much that probably has made an impact on the direct, you know, kind of feelings and struggles and things that they've had to go through um, the last couple of years. So I know that's got to be a gift to them, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know it because the Forcements Fund is in other hospitals as well. And I will say not every hospital has as big of a team as you Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. and has as much resources as you have. And so you mentioned, you know, with Le Bonheur specifically that you have chaplains that are assigned to floors mm-hmm. there to go to each new patient, introduce themselves and kind of explain who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always talked about just in our own walk and then with mentoring families that, you know, I think it's super important that someone goes again because mm-hmm. so much of those first first day, few days are such a yes. blur. You're yes. in this what just happened? I mean, it is a true form of shock. Um, and so, you know, I feel like I could sit back and be like, I think somebody came by, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know who it was. Absolutely. I don't know what they look like. I don't, I just know somebody walked in. Um, but not everybody, not every hospital has that. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a caregiver or a friend of a caregiver or a family member of a caregiver that's listening, you know, that's um, somewhere besides here mm-hmm. in the greater Memphis area, what would you encourage them to do? I mean, you know, would they reach out to their own care team to ask, is there a chaplain available? Mm-hmm. What would you advise them to do? 
It would be just that to see if there's a chapel available, to see what type of spiritual resources they have, if there's someone in the hospital. Um, oftentimes people are playing dual roles mm -hmm. in some of the larger hospitals that don't have as large of a um, spiritual care team. But there's probably always someone, even if they just work on call, mm -hmm. um, and to ask that hospital, probably nursing or social work, you know, do you have someone who can provide spiritual care? Is there someone I can talk to from a spiritual perspective? What type of resources do you have um, that might address some of my spiritual needs? Do you have community partners from other faith communities that may be able to come in? Um, and is telechaplaincy um, an option? One thing we've learned throughout the pandemic is that telechaplaincy is just as important as some of, you know, the other disciplines. You know, a lot of people are doing telehealth and mm -hmm. telecounseling and all of those things. So telechaplaincy is also available. Okay. And so to be able to uh, ask, find out what resources are available in that healthcare setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. And I've seen in, um, in the other hospitals that we serve that they're also tied into the adult hospital system mm -hmm. as well. And mm -hmm. so um, the chaplains can also, often, as you said, have dual roles. Right. You know, I know it at uh, Children's Hospital Erlinger in Chattanooga, their chaplains are kind of in both roles. Yeah. And so you may not see them as frequent, mm -hmm. you know, because they're hospital-wide, adult and children. But you could definitely ask. And I know that the chaplains would love Mm -hmm. for you to reach out and for you to be able to, um, and same at Lavonner, it may be that they came by, you know, introduced your, themselves and then, you know, you haven't seen them for a day or two, you know, you can always ask and say, Absolutely. you know, would you mind calling or reaching out to the chaplain and seeing if they'll come sit with me yeah. or if they'll, um, you know, come chat with me or meet me down in the chapel or, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever else there is to offer. Um, it's one of the, Great things that I love personally about Lavonner is just how many amazing resources that they offer Absolutely. outside of just the medical care. Yeah. But the taking care of the well-being and whole body, whole whole inside, outside, soul, all those things. Um, is there a story of a family that really stands out to you and shows the power of a chaplain being a valuable member of the care team? Is there a story or a few stories or something that you think this was such a, you know, great way of showing that we are a part of the whole care team. Because, you know, I've, one of the reasons we started the fund was that the non-medical needs mm -hmm. are so important too. Mm -hmm. And if a family is struggling to know how to pay their bills or their rent or receive counseling or, you know, any of those things, or even just get a lovey for their child, the things that we're able to provide, food insecurities, you know, then, then the whole family unit is going to struggle. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that we're trying to meet those needs is so important. Um, you know, we see ourselves as a part of that care team as well as best we can, but y'all are a valuable part and a valuable member of that care team, even though y'all aren't tending to the medical side of mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Is there any story or anything that you can think of? There are several. I <laughs> won't share them all, but I, I do very vividly remember a family on PICU several years ago, probably about nine or so years ago now, where they had very strong faith, very Pentecostal in their faith, believed in miracles, believed, you know, in life-sustaining measures and all of those things. And, you know, the medical team, from a medical perspective, this child was not going to survive. 
Um, and it was it was hard and it was sad. And this family was really holding on to their faith. They did not want to, you know, um, remove the child from the ventilator. They were just waiting and believing God for a miracle. And they were having um, major prayer. And, and at that time, you know, visitors were free to come in, you know, was way before COVID, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. So they had all kinds of family members that were evangelists and preachers and ministers and prayer warriors and you know they just were almost like having full-blown worship services Mm -hmm. in their room and the medical team I won't say they were getting irritated but they knew that this you know from medically that you know this was not going to happen and so there was this major major rift between the family and the medical team and the family would not let anybody in the room other than the chaplain Mm -hmm. unless they were coming to do something for that patient they didn't want anyone to talk to them they didn't want want to say anything that was against um what they believe God was going to do for their child. And so the chaplain was really the bridge because the chaplain was really the only one who that mother ultimately would talk to. She shut everyone else down and out, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And even though that child did not survive, um, it was because of the chaplain that we were able to move that patient, that family to a point in their faith where they could understand that their faith, regardless of what the medical team did, God was still going to be God. Mm-hmm. And God, if God wanted this child to survive, then God would. And if God decided this was time for this child to leave this earth, then that was what would happen. But it was the chaplain that helped move that family in their faith and move that needle of faith to a place where they allowed the medical team to come in and do what they had to do. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it was very peaceful and beautiful, if, you, if anyone can understand that, mm-hmm. death because of the bridge that the chaplain was able to make in helping move that patient's and that family's faith mm-hmm. um, to a place of acceptance to a place of embracing, to a place of peace. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of what the chaplain does in that type of situation. But there have been so many situations, both in which I think one of the most rewarding things is when you have, I, I had a patient on NICU, um, and the fa- the medical team did not believe this child was going to survive, but the child did. Mm. And um, the mom was a teacher, and so she had ultimately had to go back to work. But we that's when we started being able to take the iPads around and let the mom participate in rounds. Mm-hmm. And seeing that child be able to go home mm-hmm. was, the, was the largest blessing. And mm-hmm. um, I, I remember I was invited to that child's first birthday party. Yeah, that's awesome. And to see that that child thrive, um, mm-hmm. you know, for several years outside of the hospital after the team had literally given up hope. Yeah. Um, but what, like I said, the chaplain will tell a family one thing you have that nobody can take away is hope. Yeah. And so to see that um, baby be able to leave Labonner that day was amazing. Yeah. 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 That's and and we see more stories like that than, you know, you realize. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and to be able, like you said, for, I think sometimes, um, I've talked about this before that my husband, when new residents will come onto his service um, at Le Bonner, he'll always say, you know, to you, this sometimes is just another day at the office. It's mm-hmm. just another another surgery that you've done tons of times. It's another, you know, procedure that you've done tons of times. But to this parent, it's their worst day. Absolutely. It is their nightmare come true. It is their worst day. It is their child and it is the worst thing and so try as best as you can to remember that to remember when you're speaking with them you're meeting with them you're talking to them about the surgery that's about to happen or the procedure that's about to happen that what is going on in their head Mm -hmm. to you as a doctor may be pretty routine Mm -hmm. but to them it is their child their baby their precious one and this is awful to them yeah and I think you know in the medical world on one hand 
you know, if, if I'm going to let someone operate or do a procedure on my child, I hope they've done this lots and lots of times. Mm-hmm. I hope it really does feel pretty routine to them. I don't, I don't want to be the first. I don't want my child to be the first. But then at the same time, I do want them to remember at the same time, this is a precious child of mine and of God's and that to look at it in that way. And I think Chaplin can do that too, to open the eyes, to see that even when all of the medical, you know, what, what the book says or what the statistics say or what the research says about this child, that this family still has hope and they still yeah. have their, their prayers and their thoughts and their, and, and I've seen it again and again and again in mentoring that even though all of us can kind of be back and think, I don't know how this maybe is going to end the way that they hope. I've seen it where it has. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen it also where it hasn't. But the family has eventually gotten there. Yeah. They've just needed more time. Yeah. And they've needed support during that time. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. So a chaplain is also an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, you know, sometimes physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, they get into the routine of their job. Mm-hmm. The routine of the chaplain's job is to be compassionate mm-hmm. and to offer support. And so oftentimes we see things that the medical team can't see. And really it is sometimes just a matter of time. Um, but being able to advocate to remind the medical team, you know, hey, you. and sometimes I've had to tell them, I know that this is routine to you. You got to remember, this is this parent's first child. Mm-hmm. Remember what, um, and, and tell them some things that I've learned that a family has been through, why they feel the way they feel. Mm-hmm. We have to be patient. We mm-hmm. have to be, you know, give them the time that they need. We have to be compassionate with our time because mm-hmm. you also may have a family. You also may have children. Mm-hmm. You also um, are somebody's yeah. child. And so remember the human aspect of medical care. And that's really what a chaplain is there to do, to help us help um, the medical team remember the humanity in the midst of the clinical work that has to go forward yeah Mm -hmm. and they're in the families I think you touched on that the story the the why maybe Mm -hmm. they're doing things the way they Mm -hmm. are or Mm -hmm. the you know whether that is their faith Mm -hmm. guides them in Mm -hmm. whatever decisions whether it's outside sources, family, or I remember even when Forrest was in the hospital, you know, the PICU was very, very different. And so it was this large open room. And so it was, um, I remember honestly kind of being judgy on why is this mama never with this child or why is this child always alone or this baby alone? And I remember this very compassionate nurse saying, you know, she's got four other kids and mm-hmm. she lives two hours away. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't work, they're not going to keep the roof over their head. Mm-hmm. And she actually comes in, you know, late at night in or... the middle of the night mm-hmm. to check in on them. Or she's here in the morning before you get here or and just it really putting me in my place mm-hmm. of one, how blessed I was that mm-hmm. I could be by his side all mm-hmm. the time. But I lived 15 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I had an amazing support system. And then I had a a job that allowed me to take off and, Mm -hmm. and still paid me actually. Mm -hmm. And then my husband's job. And so I'll never forget that. And that forever changed me as someone who, you know, started a nonprofit and runs it, but also in parent mentoring Mm -hmm. that we are never to judge, you know, we're never to judge if the decisions that are made or why things are made or why they went this way, that way. Everybody's got their reasons. And, it's their story. It's their family. It's their mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. And and from the outside looking in, you may think, well, that's not not how I would do it. Or, right. Or, but it's not ours. 
It's yeah. theirs. Yeah, I think that's part of the expansion of spiritual care is that I, I do a lot of the diversity, equity, and inclusion work for Labonner now. And so helping people to recognize the little things, the little biases and microaggressions we have mm. because it's not our life yeah. or it's not been our perspective or our experience, that, that doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. And so people um, have come from all different walks of life to Labana from all over the country, recognizing that they do have other children at home or that they may also be the caregiver for a sick parent. Yeah. And how they balance that may look very different than how you navigate and manage that. Mm -hmm. But everybody has the right to do it in a way that they think yeah. is healthy and meaningful and comfortable and doable for them. And so, you know, we, we get, you know, we may not always understand, we may not always agree, but that's their journey yeah. and they have the right to their journey. And so that's a big part of what the chaplain does. And to make sure that they, every family is receiving equitable care, regardless yeah. of their income, regardless of where they live, regardless of how they live, mm -hmm. regardless of what they look like, yeah. regardless of what their faith practices are. I'll never forget we had a family um, that was Buddhist and that's it's not it's not something we usually see. We mm -hmm. see, you know, we see various faiths, but Buddhism is not one we see on a regular basis. They had a monk come in and they have different practices and getting the nurses to understand and not judge those practices was was another an act of God. Yeah. <laughs> in some cases, but we see that and we see that with the judgment with, you know, she's never here or the family never comes or the you know, the father is this or the but everybody has a story and everybody has yeah. a journey. And until you take the time to listen and understand yeah. um, and, and consider what your perspective is versus theirs, then it makes it difficult. Yeah. Um, so we, we have to, um, one of the roles of the chaplain also is to help eliminate that stigma yeah. and that shame and that guilt and that judgment that other people um, or that the medical team or other people in the hospital may place or other from parent to parent. Yeah. Which yeah. is why the parent mentorship is important, yeah. which is why um, the mom and dad supports groups that we used to do, which I hope come back soon, yeah, are very too. important. Me too. Um, because people, when when moms sit down together and when dads sit down together, it makes them feel recognize that they're not, they are not isolated and they're not alone in this journey. Yeah. And that's what I think families need more than anything in the hospital, to know that they are not alone. Yeah. Someone cares. Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. For sure. And I think y'all are... Um, I mean, I love just, you know, even looking at your team, you know, y'all don't all look the same right. or, you know, have the same background or um, any of that stuff. And I think that's important, too, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. to be able to um, see that, too. Um, is there anything else you think that um, you would love for others to know or be aware of or to share? Thank you. I, I think just that, knowing that we are a diverse team and so we can support a diverse group of people no matter what their experiences are. And I think the blessing for our team is, I may not, it's all about relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So if a family doesn't necessarily connect with me, I have another chaplain who they may connect better with based on experience, based on faith, based on perspective. And so that's the gift of having a large team and a diverse team. And I'm grateful because as you mentioned, most hospitals do not have mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but the chaplain plays so many roles in the hospital and nursing staff, respiratory staff, physicians, um, have come to rely on the chaplains just as much as any other discipline to help support a family. My personal belief is that everything is spiritual because everything is how we find meaning or or not in life. And so when a family's in the hospital, it's something that has shaken their, their purpose, their mm -hmm. foundation, their meaning. And so it may not always be a faith conversation. We may not always come in and pray, but our goal is to help them stay on the journey of their own spiritual path to 
to alle- alleviate spiritual distress, to alleviate um, the 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 things that hurt their feelings or the pain or the suffering and help them to kind of reconstruct, um, if you will, how they look at the situation and find hope again, find light again, even in the midst of a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful that we're able to do that on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. I'm yeah. very grateful for it too as, as well. So from all of us at the Four Spence Fund, thank you for what you do mm-hmm. and your team does and the way that you show up and walk the journey with families and are available um, and associates as well. I mean, mm-hmm. we, you know, cannot say enough of how difficult the last few years have been Absolutely. on associates and staff. And so we're glad to know that, that your team is available to them when needed as well. And um, it's important that I think it goes back to, you know, even the saying, if mama isn't doing well, nobody's doing well. That's you exactly know, right. If the nursing and staff's not doing well, then we know that yeah. that's going to transfer down. And so, um, you know, also seeing that they need taking care as well. And you know, just the patient-family-centered care, how yeah. important that is, is a whole, that the whole, seeing every part of it, seeing that siblings and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles mm-hmm. and cousins mm-hmm. and, you know, even neighbors and friends, they're all impacted by this one child being in the hospital, yeah. you yeah. know, whether it's a trauma, a, a critical illness, a chronic illness, whatever it may be, but the ripples of that mm-hmm hospitalization are felt for so far absolutely and so long the whole extended family and yeah. so I, you know I, I firmly believe that it takes a village to raise a family mm-hmm. and raise a child and that's what we see when you see chaplaincy because it does impact so many people and healthcare is about wellness and it's about holistic care and so the chaplain is able to provide help round out that holistic care. You got the medical care, you got the mental and emotional care, and now you have the spiritual care. And it rounds all of that out. And thank you to you for partnering with us because we partner with you on so many things that also kind of help provide support for our families. And that's a blessing that we have an additional resource to share. Well, we're, you know, we are are very passionate about, um, you know, supporting the whole family and, um, you know, getting y'all the things that you need spiritual care getting the things that you need especially when it comes to bereavement um how unbelievably hard yes that is and to walk that journey and um counseling you know we've talked about before that that was not something david and i could have afforded and if it wasn't for our church stepping in and paying Mm -hmm. for our counseling we wouldn't have been able to do it and Mm -hmm. i think that is so important to where we are today in our marriage and our family and our faith, um, Mm -hmm. in our journey with, uh, you know, our, our careers and work. And, um, and so it's so important to us that we're able to offer that to families as well. And so we're thankful to your team being aware of who we are and what we do and being able to reach out to us when y'all have needs or Mm -hmm. when your family have, your families have needs. So Thank you for everything y'all do and the way that y'all show up and love and encourage families in their time of need. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. It takes all of us to make it, to put it together to make the best for our family. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Sarita. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. 
Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.